Welcome back to another wonderful edition of Campus Life. Uh, on tonight's show, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some freshmen that maybe didn't have the best 2020, like most of us. Some big news that happened in the college football world this week, um, amongst some other things. Uh, but as always, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, I think we're just going to jump right into it. Our last show here at 2020. Looking forward to 2021. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what my uh, my New Year's resolution is going to be. But um, I, I guess I'll worry about that in a few days. Yeah, I mean, mine's going to be the same thing it always is. You know, eat better, lose weight, work out, that kind of thing. And, you know, we'll see if, we'll see if it happens this year. But uh, okay. I'm not hopeful. What is it, 27th times the charm, 28th time? Whatever, however old you are. 27, thanks. But no, I wasn't making New Year's resolutions as a baby. So, Oh, you weren't? And I didn't start making the uh, eat better workouts. And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't start making those until after college. Uh, Maybe late college. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right. Well, we're going to begin tonight's show um, with probably some of the sadder news we'll ever talk about here on the show. Uh, And it's it's Ty Jordan. former running back here from Utah, uh, 19 years old, was killed in an accidental shooting this past week. Um, it's always sad to hear about someone young like that passing away. It's even sadder to hear about around the holidays. Um, I know his family had, had lost his mother earlier in the year, so I'm sure this was you know, already a difficult Christmas for them, uh, amplified, obviously, uh, by, by Jordan's uh, passing. Uh, he was offensive freshman of the year this year in Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 second team 2020, and uh, he only played five games, but it looked like, you know, this kid had a really bright future, um, even just outside, you know, being excited to have him on some of my teams. Um, you know, it just sounds like he was a good kid from from all the stories that I've heard. Um, so just some some uh, thoughts going out to his family and to the, the Utah program and all their fans. Yeah, and I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, you could say all of the accolades on the field and everything like that, but at the end of the day, this was – still a 19 year old kid he would, hadn't even really gotten to live his life yet and I can't even really imagine what his his family is going through um you know when I was you know get personal here for for a second uh when I was in high school I had a uh teammate uh, on the basketball team who died in an accidental gunshot he was 16 years old and you know it, it does it shakes a team and you know you, you just never takes a while to fully recover and I'm sure the family never will. So, you know, definitely thoughts and prayers out to the family for, especially around the holidays and everything. It's going to, you can't replace the loss of, of a life like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the, you know, any potential uh, fantasy impact at this time. That seems a little uh, inappropriate to do um, maybe at a later date. Uh, but we just wanted to, you know, address that since it seems to be the biggest uh, news tidbit in, in that world at this time. Um, moving on to some other news, um, a little bit, um, a little bit happier, hopefully. Uh, so we had some big news break here around Christmas time. Uh, Colin, I know you uh, want to talk a little bit about a uh, one of the last kind of big commitments uh, in the college football world this year. Yeah, I mean, this is um, you know definitely one of the last big guys to commit. There's still a couple of them out there, but uh, that'd be Kamara Wheaton, uh, number two running back, five star, going to Bama, uh, which is a little bit of a, a surprise. You know, Oklahoma had kind of been the leading favorite in the room there, um, and you know just makes the announcement, comes out to Bama, and that's going to be a crowded backfield next year. With you know, you got him, you got Trey Sanders there. You know, assuming that. Sounds like he's going to be you know healthy after his accident and everything like that. Um, you know, you got Jace McClellan there as well. Roy Dell Williams, Keelan Robinson's going to be there as well. That's assuming Brian Robinson goes as well. He could stick around. So it's going to be a going to be a loaded backfield there. But um, you know, Wheaton's definitely got the talent there. You know, the first thing that jumps out to you is just great long speed and. You know his athletic ability just jumps off the off the page to you when you watch him. So you know, that's why he's the number two. He's got that high ceiling, but I think he does need a little bit of a refinement there. You know, right now he looks a little bit more athlete than running back to me. You know, he looks to bounce a lot of the runs outside, and 
he was in a, a outside scheme, you know, the, the scheme called for a lot of like stretch runs and stuff to the outside as well. But you could tell he knew how fast he was and he knew he was faster than other people and he relied on it a little bit more. So I'd like to see him improve his patience as a ball carrier, improve his, you know, a vision a little bit um, and definitely improve his pass catching. You know, there weren't too many examples of that, but he did look pretty natural there. So you know, I, I like Wheaton, but he's going to be a little lower for me than I think most people, and especially given Bama's history with running backs there. And you have no prep on this, so I, I want to—I uh, I just want to see how you do with this. Can do you know who the last running back to start as a freshman was for Bama? Hmm. It's—is it a really long time ago? Yeah. There's, uh, uh, there's is, it, is it is it Sean Alexander? I mean, that's the only one. That... Yeah, yeah. There's there's none of them in the in the uh, there's none of them in the Saban era. Um, you know, Saban's era Saban era there begins in 07. They have Glenn Coffey, Mark Ingram. Then they go with you know they have Trent Richardson, but they have Ingram still there too. Then they have Eddie Lacy and Richardson, Yeldon and Lacy, Derek Henry's here. They have Yeldon and Drake too. So even those huge big name prospects like Derrick Henry set the the high school rushing record for uh you know all time there and then it's just I, don't, I can't even remember what it is off the top of my head I should have looked it up but it's just absolutely insane the rushing numbers he had in high school uh so yeah so those guys weren't getting time as freshmen you know they weren't starting as freshmen so I don't see Wheaton being a starter there either um you know I think the guy that I look for next year is going to be McClellan. Um, you know, he was a big, he had a lot of production at a big school in Texas. Uh, he was a four-star guy last year coming out. Number six over RB overall. He's got the size you look for, 5'11", 212. Ran a verified 4.57 in high school. And he, he, looked, he looked solid this year in his limited work. You know, he only had 23 carries this year, um, which was behind Sanders before Sanders' accident. But, you know, Sanders looked looked solid but mcclellan looked real good too he had a really strong showing against kentucky uh you know going 10 for 99 and a touchdown and he has uh he has that big 80 yard run that everybody's gonna remember uh but other than that you know still looked really good so he's the kind of guy that i'm be looking out for next year um more so than uh more so than sanders or williams now, people might think you know maybe williams gonna transfer Actually, I don't think he will, um, even given Wheaton coming in, because he's an Al- he's from Alabama. So you got to figure that Williams probably grew up dreaming of playing for the Crimson Tide, and maybe he does transfer. But I could see him sticking around and just being one of those guys like uh, like Brian Robinson, like a Damian Harris, who just never really is the guy there, but still is uh, you know still productive overall. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you a lot on Kamar Wheaton. Um, he's a bit, I think he's almost like the high school version of Chuba Hubbard, where he, he's got kind of got that upright running style a little bit. He, yeah, he's just, you know, f- much faster than everybody else. It's, it's pretty obvious when you watch him. Um, I don't think that Bama was the worst place for him to go. Um, cause yeah, you lose Harris this year, you presumably lose Robinson, who I actually really like. And then you have Sanders, you have Jace McClellan, you have Roydell Williams, and that's really it in their backfield. Um, I mean, Keelan Robinson was on the team last year and flashed, but he's not even listed on the depth chart. He hasn't like officially transferred or anything, but he's just like not around at all. So I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, so so they need another body there regardless. Um, I, I am pushing back a little bit on the narrative that McClellan is going to be the guy next year. I, I still think Saban's going to give Sanders every opportunity. And this is not coming – like, I was never, like, a huge Sanders guy. Um, I mean, he's kind of like – he's kind of, like, nodgy in the sense that, like, he's, like, that bigger back that Bama and Saban kind of likes to kind of ground and pound there in the SEC. But I, he was getting the touches before he got hurt. And this – I mean, the car accident's a fluky thing. It's not like he went out and, and blew out his knee again. So I think Saban's going to give him every opportunity to come in and, and re-win that job. So I, I'm pumping the brakes on McClellan. I'm not necessarily buying him right now. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, he's kind of the guy to buy. Um, 
I, I'm still advocating for Sanders, but uh, I think that that backfield is going to be really muddled more than a Bama backfield has been in a while in 2021. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you about it being muddled. Um, and honestly, with you know a lot of with a lot of people tending to lean towards McClellan being the guy to buy, it's probably a good time to zag and look at a Trey Sanders. So yeah. if you're looking at it strictly from that point of view, yeah, I don't think that's a bad way to go about it. But I do think this could be a backfield where it's like the Derrick Henry, TJ Yeldon, and uh, Kenyon Drake type backfield where it's just three guys. You never really know who's going to break out. Um, you know, So there's going to be a lot of guys there for with, with the opportunity to break out. And it's just going to be interesting to, to monitor the in spring you know, who's getting the touches. Because you, you think Sanders is going to be healthy by that point. Um, you know, you, you you would hope so. It didn't seem like it was anything too serious in the car accident. I mean, I don't really think they got too into what the too into yeah. specifics with what the injury was. Uh, but the thing that worries me a little bit with Sanders too is the you know the the foot injury the year before. Oh, that's right. It was uh, a foot, not a knee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a foot injury in camp. So you know, he's got some a little bit of an injury history. So it's just something to keep an eye on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, it, it, spring will be big. You know, did you have you read if uh, Wheaton will be on campus in the spring? That's not something that I've seen yet. Um, he did declare, obviously, you know, like kind of early, but I would be probably surprised to see him on campus in the spring, given that he did declare a little bit later than the normal early signing day guys or the people who signed, you know, earlier than that. Um, given that he what didn't really make up his mind until you know, the other day, I would be a little surprised if he's on campus, you know, in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. And for Oklahoma, I mean, it really, it really, uh, it kind of puts a wrench in their plans because they don't have, I mean, it's their backfield is already kind of muddled and it's really not clear like if Ramondre Stevenson's going to come back um, or what they're going to have starting next year, but uh, that's a really big blow to them and the class that they were trying to bring in. Yeah, well, I mean, Pledger entered the uh, the transfer portal, I believe, yeah. as well, right? So, yeah. you know, the one guy that you thought, okay, you know, maybe he'll be back, maybe he'll give us a little something, you know, him and McGowan, and Pledger's gone. So, uh, I wonder if, well, he put his name in the portal. He could withdraw it now that Wheaton's not uh, not going there. So, I mean, we'll see what he does. But, yeah, that's going to be a wide open competition for Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, could be could be the the McGowan show. Uh, in 2021 and 2022. Yeah. And obviously you want pieces of that Oklahoma offense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the other, one of the other big pieces of news was the, uh, the return of De'Ara King. He was going back to Miami for his sixth college football season. Um, guy has just been around for forever, man. Like I, I feel like I'll go back and watch like grainy footage of like 2000s Miami and like De'Ara King is like on the sideline <laughs> or something like that. It, He's been around for forever, but I think more than anything, this signals that the NFL just doesn't want this dude. You because you have to feel like I mean he's been around long enough where he he's able to put out feelers and see what teams are thinking. Um, and I, I'm not a huge Derek King guy anyway. I mean he's listed at five eleven two o two. If you actually believe that he's five eleven, then I have a bridge <laughs> to sell you that there's no way this dude is five eleven. Um, he's a tiny, tiny guy. I mean, he makes Kyler Murray look like a prototypically sized quarterback. And I don't believe in his throwing ability at all. Um, he's played against like very cupcake defenses for the majority of his time in college. And he's still never been like a particularly efficient passer. Um, this year, I mean, he's, he's topped. He's been around 63% completion percentage, uh, for most of his career. Um, but his, um, you know, like his yards per attempt and those kind of his stats have have not exactly been elite for the college side of things. He did have that huge year in 2018 where he had 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, but again, against just not, if, you know, some very questionable opposition with Houston and the American. Um, I mean, it is really nice if you have him on a college side of things because he put up a ton of points this year. And I would assume he's going to put up a very comparable year again next year. Um, but at this point, like if I'm in a Debbie league, I'm selling him because I don't think that he's ever going to be anything in the NFL, at least not as a quarterback. And if I'm on a C2C team and I was hoping that he would maybe make it onto my NFL side, 
at this point, maybe I'm set, unless I'm competing for a title next year, maybe I'm selling to someone who, who is competing and wants that kind of final piece. So. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you. If, if you have the opportunity to sell him right now on your C2C side to, to somebody who thinks that they're going to be the contender next year, I think you can still get a decent return for him, but I would probably do that sooner rather than later. Um, you know, once the new, once the, the news wears off a little bit and, you know, other people become the new shiny uh, object in the media and everything like that. I think you're going to want to, you're going to regret if you don't sell King right now, again, unless you are pushing for the chip and you're one quarterback away. But I really like this for the rest of the pieces on the offense. Um, you know, I mean, we saw, we saw Nikosi Perry led offenses a little bit in 2018, 2019, and that's not anything anybody wants to see again. So, you know, I think this is a good thing for the guys who are going to be left over there. Now their leading receiver, Harley, you know, he's gone likely because he's a senior. You expect your Brevin Jordan to probably go pro. He probably should at this point. So you're going to be looking at guys like Mark Pope and D Wiggins, who I'm not convinced is, just T Higgins with an Afro wig. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be good for the running backs too in that RPO style offense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, speaking of shiny new toys, um, we want to spend the bulk of this episode. Uh, folk, well, last episode we kind of talked about national signing day. Everyone gets excited with these new freshmen that are coming here. So there should be plenty of value to be found in some of these freshmen that maybe came in in 2020 and didn't really produce right away. Um, so we wanted to take some time tonight to talk a little bit about a couple of guys at each position that we think are primed to grab a starting position or just put up more, more uh, production than they did in 2020. So Colin, who uh, is a top quarterback that you think is finally going to get some time this year and, and do some damage. Uh, so the, the first guy I was really excited to talk about here is, he's a guy that we mentioned previously on the shows. Um, he's a guy I mentioned in a tweet on, you know, on Twitter there and it's Hudson card for Texas. Um, you know, he's the four star guy. He's the number two dual threat quarterback from last year uh, in the class. And with Sam Ellinger going to the senior bowl, you know, it's sounding like people are starting to think he's not going to use that extra year of eligibility. Uh, and and it sounds like he's going to go pro. He's going to leave campus. Now, obviously, nothing's set yet there with that. I, I don't believe he has to go pro by going to the Senior Bowl. Um, I think that that's still kind of a gray area with this year of extra eligibility. But, you know, assuming he moves on, you know, I really think that's Hudson Card's job next year. Now, Jaquindon Jackson, they brought him in in the same class as Card. Um, you know, he was the number three dual dual threat quarterback, also four star guy, but he transferred. You know, he just went to Utah. Um, so it's going to be him and Casey Thompson. Uh, you know, Casey Thompson was a four star guy uh, in the 2018 class, but he was recruited for that old scheme. And you know, there was word that uh, Hudson Card was really coming on towards the end of the year in practice. You know, and then he had pulled even with Casey Thompson, but they left Casey Thompson as the number two guy because of the experience that he had. You know, uh, they he'd been around for a while, so you know they they leaned on that route rather than just throwing Hudson Card into a into a meaningless year. Um, you know, and moving out the depth chart, so you might see a little bit of a battle between those two uh, during the offseason. But I would expect Card to win that job here in the spring. Um, and the only guy they're bringing in this year so far is three-star uh, Charles Wright. Uh, he's the number 32 pro-style quarterback. So not a lot of competition there. Um, you know, maybe they bring somebody in in the portal with all of the uh, all the guy all the quarterbacks that are in the portal right now. But I think that'll just be more of a depth kind of a move. Um, but you know, I'll be really excited to see Hudson Card get his shot because he was a wide receiver in high school until his junior year. You know, he went to Lake Travis High School, which is you know, one of the top quarterback producing schools in the country. So he had to wait his turn there, too. So that's not something he's not used to. But when he got his shot, you know, he really blew up you know, 3,500 yards, 50 passing touchdowns, um, you know, 600 yards and nine touchdowns on the ground in 6A in Texas. So that's like the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest division there in Texas. 
And one of the things that'll jump out at you right away is just how sudden of an athlete this guy is. It was stop-start ability, his quick cuts. He makes people miss when he has the ball in the open field. Um, it, it's I don't want to comp anybody to anybody here, but it's reminiscent of a Kyler Murray light. You know, he doesn't have that instant acceleration like Murray does, but just the way he's a sudden athlete like that kind of reminds me of that. And also the way he keeps his eyes downfield. You know, I, I like when he moves around the pocket, but he doesn't just look to bolt right away. You know, he's a solid uh, you know, passer overall. So I, I, I'm very excited to see, you know, how he how he does in the spring practices and leading up into the fall here. Yeah, he's a guy. I mean, I was not as high on him as some people were. I didn't dislike him uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I, I thought I mean, I thought it was very obvious on tape that he had not been a quarterback for very long. There was a lot of uh, issues that he had that he needed to work on. Um, he's a very odd athlete that you, you call like a sudden athlete. Um, I thought it was it was interesting because I thought this showed on tape and then I saw that he had these um, like these these measurements or he, ha- he has a 37 and a half inch vert, but he only runs a four seven seven forty, which is just very odd. Uh, you yeah. would think that, that would be that explosiveness would lead to uh, a faster 40. Um, so maybe you can top end speed, not great or something like that. Yeah, um, I'm. I mean, yeah, I, I'm. I'm assuming that Ellinger is leaving, like you were saying. I think at this point, you really, you would kind of piss off Jim Nagy and those guys over at the Senior Bowl if you go there and play there and then you don't declare. Um, I, I was actually avoiding Card because I thought at best he'd be a stopgap for Ewers to come in there. Um, but obviously, with him going to Ohio State now, there is a lot of playing time available over the next couple of years. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be a lot harder to buy Card now than it might have been six months ago. Um, but he, I, he's definitely worth at least getting the college production out of because those Texas quarterbacks in that system, they put up some nice rushing numbers, passing numbers, and it's not a strong defensive conference. Um, so I'm with you. I, I would go out and buy card. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't spend a ton for him cause I'm not sure he's an NFL quarterback, but I think I, I like, per, like I said, I like him. You know, I mentioned a couple of times on the show, I brought his name up. So he's definitely a guy that, uh, I'm looking to buy if I don't already own him in a lot of places. But one of the things he answered, one of the big question marks for me, and that was him when he came out, he was six you know, which is, and you can see it when you looked at him, you know, he was just so scrawny and now he's listed on Texas's website as six So that's a little, that's more of the size that you're looking for there. You know, maybe see him get up to 200, hopefully, um, but I think he can he can stay at 200 and still keep that, like I said, like the sudden athlete. Like I said, he's definitely quicker than he is fast, which you can see. But you don't need to be a speed demon at the quarterback. You know, you want a guy who is, you know, he can move around quickly and move around well in the pocket. So definitely, definitely a guy I'm high on right now. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking at a dual threat guy too. Uh, it's Evan Prater from Cincinnati. And uh, he was number six dual threat kid in the class last year, number 12 quarterback overall, four star. He's big. He's 6'4", 192. He looks, he looks big on the field. Like that's not that surprising. Uh, he, he looks about that size. Um, he was Mr. Football as a senior in Ohio, uh, but he got a lot of power five offers. He went, he had offers from Miami, Oklahoma state, Pitt, Louisville, uh, Michigan state, Indiana, couple other ones too so it's kind of surprising that he ended up going to cincy i mean he's from very close to cincy so it it, it makes sense um but especially doing it before they had this undefeated season you wouldn't necessarily expect them to bring a kid like that in uh he was stuck behind ritter this year um and i actually thought that he had a chance to to push ritter this year based on what ritter did as a sophomore uh but ritter looked more like he did as a freshman two years ago and had a really good year and they obviously weren't going to rock the boat with Cincy going undefeated, um, obviously winning their conference. And then they get to play the Peach Bowl against Georgia next week, which is obviously probably the best season in school history. Um, Ritter himself uh, was pretty solid this year. I mean, he completed about 66% of his passes, uh, a little over 2,000 yards, 17 to 6 touchdown interception ratio. So he wasn't, you know, lighting it up as a passer, but he was effective enough. Um, and that's kind of how I view Prater, at least at this point, as well. Um, I'm assuming that Ritter's going to leave. I think if he's smart, he does. 
because um, I don't think he's particularly good. I really don't. Um, uh, he's kind of uh, he's getting a lot more talk around places. Um, I think his arms overrated. I think his ability as a runner is overrated. Um, and to be honest, his stock will probably be never higher or never be higher than it is this year um, after going undefeated. So if he can put in a decent performance against Georgia, I would assume that he's going to leave. And besides uh, Prater on the depth chart, they really only have Michael Lindauer, who is going to be a third-year kid next year. He was a low three-star. Um, he didn't really have any power or five offers. He was really prolific as a high school player, but it was like in Illinois where it's, you know, a bunch of farm <laughs> boys and stuff. Like it's not like Texas or Florida or, you know, Western PA or some of those football hotbeds. So I think Prater is going to start next year, and I think he'll do pretty well. Uh, he really has to develop as a passer. You see flashes of him where he he has really good arm strength. Um, 24-7 comped him to Kaepernick, and I kind of see the allure of comping him that way because he's kind of like that that big, tall, uh, I don't want to say scrawny, but like lean uh, yeah. athlete. But he's not like – Kaepernick was just uncannily smooth. Prater is definitely not, not like that. Prater almost moves more like Cam Newton, yeah. uh, but at like a significantly smaller weight than than Cam Newton was. So I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm interested to see how his rushing style from high school translates to college. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I like his arm. I think he can throw with anticipation. I think he can throw with touch. I need to see him do it consistently. Uh, getting in a full year this year will probably be good for him, you know, in practice and stuff, getting those reps. Um, so I think I'm, I'm skeptical that he's ever an NFL side guy, but I think if he gets that job, he's going to put up an absolute uh, ton of points in college. And with him being at Cincy, I think people, he gets that, um, that, that G five discount a little bit. And so he's a guy that I'm probably going to try to buy in most of my leagues this year. Um, just because I think he's, he's going to be a big producer and he's got that Konami code uh, rushing ability. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great call. Um, I mean, he's a guy that uh, when we had put together our show, she, I think it was like two weeks ago, you know, we was that we were going to talk a little bit of G five guys and he was actually a guy that I was going to put on there. So I was glad that you put him on here. Um, that way I didn't feel bad about talking up my guy Clark that <laughs> we could still talk about Prater and give him some love. Um, but yeah, one of the things that jumps out to you with, with Prater when you watch him is he's just, he's got all the physical traits you want. He's got that big arm, like you were saying. Um, you know, he's he's got a he's got a fast, a nice fastball with that. He does need to learn a little bit more touch with it, um, but he's also an elite level athlete too. You know, he's he's just he was a basketball player in high school. He yeah, I think he had some D one offers for that too. So you can see that as well. Um, you know, he moves really well for a guy who's six four. Um, you know, that's something we talk about a little bit on this show is your kind of movement skills. And I think he has elite level movement skills for a six, four guy who's a quarterback and not necessarily a wide receiver. Um, the thing that stuck out to me that has me a little bit concerned is he gets kind of flat footed in the pocket at times. You know, he, he doesn't, he just kind of stands there a little bit. And, you know, I saw too much of that with, with Christian Hackenberg uh, when he was at, at Penn state and obviously not comping these two because of very different players, but just that, you know, just being flat footed too much in the pocket. It, it just has me a little bit worried about that. So I want to see him, you know, develop his footwork a little bit better, but no, I've definitely a guy that I would be interested in buying as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, he's, he's very similar to Ritter in a lot of senses. So, right. Um, they don't have to change that offense or anything for him. So kind of the uh, cards a similar way where, you know, his skill set probably meshes right into what they've already got there. So, which is, which is nice to see it. It makes it, it feels like you can project them a little bit easier yeah. um, knowing, you know, what the guy before them did with a similar skill set. So right. now my yeah. only concern there would be, you know, obviously I don't think Luke Fickle's going to leave this year. Uh, there's not really any job open that would warrant that, but you got to figure with the way that he's turned Cincinnati into just a perennial, you know, G5 powerhouse team. You know, he had them at you know, it's like what back to back eleven year, uh, eleven win years before the undefeated year this year, I think. So you know, you got to figure he's going to leave at some point when the right job opens up. Um, so if that's you know next off season, you know, I'd be a little bit concerned about it. But that's something that's down the road. It's just something. Yeah mindful of yeah you you kind of hope that prater takes the job this year and then just you know 
can it can hold it for whoever comes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's a, that's a good call. Um, all right, moving on to running back here a little bit. Um, we we both like this guy, but I think you actually introduced me to him. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Lawrence Toafili. Uh, okay, all right, my yeah, my guy um, from last year. You know, your guy was um, Chip Chip Trainum. Um, my guy was Toafili last year. Um, you know, four star guy, number nineteen overall running back. Um, the thing that stuck out to me a little bit last year was he was a little thin, needed to add some weight. He's six foot 180, uh, but he's a very fluid athlete. Um, you know, f- he moves like a guy who is smaller than six foot 180. He's very good lateral agility. You know, I really like his dead leg move. It's, yeah, I, again, not a one for one comp or anything like that, but it's reminiscent of DeAndre Swift's dead leg move where he just, he starts going and then it just all of a sudden just switches direction on you and just leaves a guy, you know, in the dust. And he also has really good long speed too, uh, which you actually saw a little bit this year at Florida State. He had five of his 37 carries, went for 20 plus yards, and he had a 73 yard uh, touchdown run. So, He's got the uh, the speed and the athleticism you look for, but you know he doesn't go down easily either for a guy who was that thin. Um, you know he he had a little bit of power in his game. Now definitely needs to bulk up. You know maybe add a little bit more to it. Uh, but he, I liked seeing him run through a couple guys here and there, and I also liked seeing him line up out wide at times in high school. Um, so that shows you his his ability as a pass catcher. And, you know, he had 12 catches for 120 yards this year at Florida State, uh, which was the most yards for the running backs. Now, um, Jishon Corbin had 19 catches, so, you know, right there with him. But, you know, the the biggest concern with me is going to be how the shakeout is between him and Corbin. Now, uh, Corbin really started to come on towards the end of the year here. Now, he's going to be a redshirt junior, so he will still be there for a year. But... Norvell's offenses in the past have supported two running backs with no problem. You know, with you had Tony Pollard through L. Henderson, Kenny Gainwell, and Antonio Gibson. So I think even if Corbin does hang on to the starting role, uh, air, air quotes, starting role, uh, I think uh, Tofili is going to be a guy who definitely can work in there and is going to be a guy that is going to be productive at least. And then best case scenario, you know, he ends up taking the job in the spring, like I think he has the potential to do. Yeah, I, I wrote down the big thing for me was Corbin's going to be in the way. Um, I think Corbin is a huge post-hype sleeper going into 2021. I think a lot of people expected him two years ago to break out at AM and then he, um, he got injured and then ended up transferring out to Florida State. Um, he's a lot bigger than Toa Feely. And the thing that actually concerns me a little bit about how they view the two of those backs is that um, Toa Feely played a lot of wildcat quarterback in high school. Like yeah. a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like that was basically his position. He didn't really throw it all. Like they just direct snapped everything to him and then he went. Um, so I th- would have thought that that would be his calling card. Uh, but toward the end of the year, Florida State ran a, a decent amount of Wildcat because they just didn't really have any quarterbacks alive on the roster. <laughs> and um, Corbin got those touches. So that is a bit telling uh, to me in terms of how that coaching staff used the two of them. But he looked good this year. And, and I, 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 was pleasantly surprised how good he looked because I thought he needed a year. I thought he'd probably redshirt, uh, but that whole team was just a dumpster fire. Right. Uh, so, I mean, a dumpster fire is a great situation for guys that maybe shouldn't take a get a job to to do that and, and hold on later. So, um, and I would assume with McKenzie coming in next year and and another year under Norville that is, some things will be cleaned up this off season. So I, I mean, I liked him a lot. I think you like him more than me. I'm not sure he's a buy. I'm not sure he's a sell either. He's almost more in the hold category. Uh, if I'm, if I'm looking at him. Yeah, I, I agree with them being probably more in the hold category overall, but if you can buy him, I definitely would. Um, you know, because the, he was behind, uh, he was third in the team on carries behind Corbin and Ladarius Webb, but uh, Webb transferred. So he should at least be second on the team in that depth chart. So, and like I said, Norvell's offenses can hold two guys. So if you have somebody in your league who's, you know, looking more at Corbin as the guy there, you know, I think you may be able to get Toa a little bit cheaper than you will be able to this time next year, 
or potentially even in the spring, because I do think with, um, you know, like you said, he, he was pretty raw as an overall running back because he played a lot of wildcat quarterback and this off season did, didn't do anybody any favors as far as learning positions and, and getting prep down. So I think it's really telling of him overall that he was able to step in and be productive in a year like this coming from a place where he was pretty raw as a running back. Yeah. And it's Norvell. It's one of those things where you just trust that Norvell evaluates the position so well that if he saw something in this kid that he's probably pretty good. I think it's, right. it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, so I, I put two running backs down here on the show sheet and I think we're going to kind of go back and forth on these two guys. Um, so I guess we'll start with DeMarcus Bowman who isn't necessarily a sleeper because he was a five-star guy. He was the number three running back in last year's class, uh, listed at 5'10", 190. And he didn't break out uh, for a number of reasons. Well, he was behind Travis Etienne, so barring an injury to Etienne, he was never going to really play that much in the first place. Um, but then he, like three games into the year, he said he was transferring. He went to the portal uh, and chose Florida rather quickly. Uh, and it was one of the situations where he was expected to go to Florida, and then didn't at the last minute uh, and then wound up going back there anyway. Um, he cited, uh, he said, I guess I didn't realize this, that both of his grandfathers passed away at, uh, at the oh, beginning wow. of the football season. Yeah. And it, it just made him kind of miss home and yeah. he wanted to move back that way. Um, Cause initially it was a red flag for me. I was like, Holy crap. You know, any, any kid that, that goes somewhere and then transfers out into th- three after three games, um, it's easy either something's going on behind the scenes or, or you know, something like that. But um Seems like as, yeah. as good of a reason as any. So the, the thing I put him on here, but I'm actually not that sure he's going to break out um, because I just think that depth chart is just insane at Florida next year. Uh, it's a lot of guys that were highly rated, and I'm not even sure that I love any of them, but it's just a lot of bodies for him to have to kind of push through. Uh, and just kind of notable guys. I mean, Damian Pierce was the guy this year. He does. He's only a junior, so he doesn't have to come out. I'm not sure if he will or not. Uh, I suspect if he's smart, he probably should, because we're really not sure what that offense is going to look like next year without Trask there. Uh, but even assuming that he leaves, you still have Malik Davis, who is a prototypical type back. Uh, you have Naquan Wright, who's a little bit more undersized, but just a very dynamic athlete. And then you have Lorenzo Lingard, who was also a former five-star running back that's transferring there. So he has a lot of competition um, and Florida's offense hasn't uh, put up a ton of huge numbers for their running backs the past few years. So as I was working through this, uh, it, these, these are kind of funny because sometimes they end up being an exercise and like, you know, you think one thing going into it and then it kind of changes your mind after you read all this stuff. I'm actually not sure I'm buying DeMarcus Bowman. I think I'm selling him. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, actually. And I, when you put him on there, I was like, okay, you know, this will be a little bit of a back and forth opportunity, you know, uh, you know, pay a little bit of homage to your Debbie debate show, your other show that we do, you know, you and I will go back and forth a little bit. You know, maybe I'll get to impress Felix uh, with my debating ability. You maybe get on there in the off season or something, but you kind of ruined that for me here. Sorry. Uh, cause, Sorry I took your thunder. Uh, yeah. Cause I agree with you. I think, um, I think I would probably be looking to sell him at this point. Um, you know, when he was coming out, uh, you have five, nine, one ninety one, So kind of on the smaller side. Um, but he, the thing that struck me was he, he was always looking to bounce the ball outside. He's always looking to run, you know, he's rely on that home run speed that he has, which when he was going to Clemson and I could see him stepping into Travis Etienne's role and being used in a very similar way, I was like, okay, you know, I, th- I think he could definitely be successful there. But now that he's going to Florida, I, the scheme's different. And like you said, the running back room is so crowded. And Dan Mullen just doesn't use – he doesn't have high producers at running back. Like, he's just not known for that. He's a lot – he's known for, you know, quarterback development. He's known for – because he had Dak Prescott there. You know, he's known for spreading it out a little bit more. So – I'm a little bit concerned with him going to Florida there. So he's, yeah, he would be a guy I'd be looking to sell as well. Yeah. And I think he has enough name recognition. It's really nice. Does uh, it's kind of like rookie, like uh, people have done those studies with rookies where they kind of, if they're like a first round uh, rookie pick, they don't really lose value their first year. They at least maintain it. 
and that's like the chance to sell them. Um, like I like Nikhil Harry last year, if you sold him in the off season, you got infinitely more than you would get for him now Yeah, where you basically like, you'd have to pay me to take Nikhil Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could say, I think freshmen are the same way, especially because they don't always, you know, there's, there's a lot of times there's a, there's a kid in front of them. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can still sell Bowman based on his name and get something pretty nice back. You know, maybe I'm looking to get uh, a, a draft pick for this year or a lower rated guy that maybe played decently, but, but people could still be skeptical about. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head, maybe that, um, you know, maybe, maybe even like not even at the running back position, but maybe you could go and get like a Jordan Addison yeah. um, or, or, you know what I mean? Or someone like that, that um, I would do that all day. If I could yeah. get Addison for Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even flip Bowman for in this year's rookie class, you know, depending on what your, the way your C2C league is structured. Um, you know, I would with how deep this rookie class is, I'd probably flip Bowman for early second if if that's the best I could get for him. I would take it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd be happy with that. Um, and the other guy I threw on here, um, I think this one we might disagree about a little bit is Ashad Clayton from Colorado, uh, four star kid in last year's class. He was number seventeen running back. Uh, he is uh, one of those stories where he he had a lot of offers initially. Uh, he was supposed to go to LSU and then he got a knee injury. LSU backed off a little bit. And so he ended up going to Colorado, uh, obviously not a, the, you know, as prominent of a program as the Tigers are. Um, and Colorado only played a few games this year. So it's really hard. Like a lot of those Pac-12 teams, it's just really hard to gauge where some of those players are at on the depth charts. Um he got some touches this year. I mean, he had seven rushes for 31 yards, two touchdowns. Um, there were like four other guys on the depth chart. They got more touches than him. And I don't believe any of them are leaving this year. Um, could be wrong on that point. Um, I know at least uh, Bruce Hart and Mangamart, and those are probably the two best other backs in that backfield. I am very much a Clayton truther. I thought he was much better than the 17th overall back in the class. I had him hovering right around eight to 10. So I don't think it's often that you get that kind of talent at a school like Colorado. Um, I think the cream is going to rise to the top and I think you can use his down year this year to go buy him on the cheap and get some great uh, college production. And eventually I think he's an NFL type guy. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is, you're right. This is a guy that we're going to disagree with a little bit here. Um, you know, I liked Clayton coming out for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I liked, I thought he was higher than the 17 RB overall as well. Uh, you know, his, his movement skills for a guy at six foot, 200 pounds uh, was, was really impressive. You know, he had great lateral agility. You know, he makes guys miss, you know, left and right. Um, and, and he had good long speed as well. So he could break the runs. But I really liked that he was going to Colorado. Um, I mean, you know, Colorado is they're far from the national, you know, powerhouse team. You know, they have they're and the team that's a little bit stuck in the past as well. Um, you know, now what Mel Tucker went to to Michigan State, and the name of the guy is escaping me right now who came in there. But he's similarly of the older school mindset where they're going to kind of look to run the ball, pound the ball. Because they just don't get the, you know, aside from LaVisca Chenault, who uh, we still have no idea why he ended up there, but they don't end up with like top level athletes and they don't end up with, you know, good skill position players. So their bread and butter needs to be running the ball. So you, you want the running back for, for Colorado. And my concern is with how good Broussard has looked this year. Uh, you know, he was a workhorse this year. He was a redshirt sophomore. He had 25 carries and 100 yards in ever in over 100 yards in every single game except the last game where they played Utah, where he had 14 carries for 80 yards. Um, you know, he had 800 yards total in five games, which it, it, that's just impressive. Uh, you know, he had 300 yards against Arizona, which still impressive, but <laughs> you know, a little less impressive because it's Arizona, but. And he's a little undersized at, at 5'9", 185. So I could definitely see, you know, a little bit of thunder and lightning roll there with uh, with Broussard and Clayton, um, especially with because Broussard was a, a three-star wide receiver when he entered college. Um, so I, I think there's the opportunity for Clayton to jump Magnum. Magnum wasn't really anything special there. 
So if if Clayton can step up and be, you know, kind of the the thunder lightning role, um, you know, I would he's a guy I'd be interested in in buying, especially if somebody is, you know, wasn't as high on Clayton coming in as we were and you know, isn't really paying attention to to the Pac-12 up there. Uh, especially because you know, Broussard does have a little bit of an injury history. You know, he did miss all season last year. He missed some games his freshman year. So I think Clayton can definitely jump Mang into the number two role and be in line for a potential uh a potential you know injury away from from being from really taking over that backfield. So I like Clayton, but I don't know if I would necessarily put him this high on my list of guys that I really wanted to talk about. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I am intrigued. I mean, if they are going to pound the ball, I think they, like you said, there's going to be some touches to go around. Um, I I do need to sit down this offseason and watch Broussard more. I watched like one and a half Colorado games this year. I wasn't like blown away by this kid, um, but I wasn't like specifically like I was just watching the game for enjoyment, not to, uh, you know, watch Jarek Broussard. So, um, yeah, I, I'll sit down a little bit this offseason and see what I can what I can uh, what I can get out of those those games. Yeah, and I haven't watched. I didn't watch a lot of Colorado football either. I mean, honestly, I didn't watch a lot of Pac-12 football this year just because they started so late in the year that by the time that they were like really looking to ramp up, you know, you were already focused on other storylines. Uh, at least I was. So yeah. I, I didn't watch a lot of color or Pac-12 football, and they're on later too. So. Yeah, I like actually, I actually, actually, I feel like I watched more Pac-12 football this year because they had like some some noon start times and stuff out here on the East Coast. They um, did. So I think I actually like even with only five games being played, I, I think I watched more of it live this year than I have ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was kind of fun watching some of those games uh, that are usually on at like eleven thirty. I'm like a zombie yeah. at that point because I go to bed at like nine thirty, like a grandpa every night. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a night owl, so I'm usually up for the for the Pac-12 after dark games. Little little craziness for, to end your Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I think that covers running back. I mean, there's probably some other guys. I mean, this is a series that there there's plenty of people to talk about. We'll probably do another one of these at least uh, once more this off season. So if if there's a guy that we don't talk about, let us know. Um, he's probably on our list to talk about later. Well, uh, that's one of the beautiful things with with C two C is you never run out of uh, out of content, and you never run out of guys to talk about because there's so many different things that change. There's so many different prospects, so many different teams. It's just you know, and you got the guys coming in, and you, there's just so much to talk about all the time that we can never get to all of it. But uh, you know, definitely reach out, let us know if there's a guy you want us to look into and talk about on the show. Just wait till our Akron episode. It's going to be really good. So. <laughs> I know you guys are waiting for the Akron, the Akron content. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, moving on to receiver. Um, we both have some intriguing guys here that are ranked pretty highly in last year's class. Uh, who's your guy? Uh, so my guy is uh, you know four-star wide receiver, uh, number 11 in last year's class, Jalen McMillan. I went to Washington. Um, he's 6'1", 185, so... Got, got good size there. He can stand to bulk up a little bit, but uh, I don't necessarily think he needs to just because of the type of player he is. He's, you know, he's a really solid athlete. And, you know, one of the refer, the, you know, re- reoccurring themes of the show is just, you know, the movement skills and everything like that. So, and he moves well for his size too. So I don't necessarily think he needs to bulk up, but he, he definitely could. Um, but one of the things that I was actually really interested in as I was looking through this is he redshirted this year. Um, you know, he played in three games, but Washington only played in four games total because of COVID. So everybody on that team could have redshirted with that rule. So I thought that was actually really smart of his. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who had some hype coming into Washington, at least on my end. Like, he's a guy I was very interested in. Yeah, as a sophomore in high school, he had 1,800 yards and 21 touchdowns. Followed that up with 1,419 as a junior, 1,612. And this is in California. Um, so I'm assuming it's it's good competition, but I, I don't really know because uh, he did look bigger and faster than a lot of the guys that, that were on tape with him. So this is a little aside here. That's one of the things I want to do this offseason is look into a little bit more about like, the level of competition for, for some of these high schools. Cause 
Uh, one of the big things with um, Julian Fleming, the number one wide receiver from last year, five-star guy, is he went to little old Southern Columbia in Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, which you know that's a school that I played. You know that's in the, that's in my division district in um, in high school there. So you know, so I'm familiar with them, and they're just they're very small school. They're a powerhouse for the area. They beat up on everybody. There's no competition there. So I wasn't really that impressed with Julian Fleming. I took that with a grain of salt just because I knew the level of competition that he was playing against. And he was just bigger and faster than all these other guys. Like in our district, if you're if you're looked at by a D3 school, you're a good player. Um, so we're not churning out, we're not churning out any prospects. You know, the last potential prospect that we had was Brandon Smith, who went to uh, Penn State as a walk-on guy and made a little bit of noise as a linebacker. So, uh, you know, just as a little bit of a side, there's something I want to do. So I'm not sure how what the level of competition was there, but clearly put up huge numbers. Uh, he was also a D1 baseball recruit too, uh, and he was a he, he was a state track runner. You know, he made the prelims as in state as a junior, ran a 10 6 700 meter. So. He's got that multi-sport athlete, uh, that, that profile that I look for as well. Um, so you can tell he's got the speed there. But not only the speed, I was really impressed with him when I watched him the first time through. And I came away again re-watching him, again really impressed with how technically refined he was. He has a great release off the line. Really good footwork. Um, you know, He's a smooth route runner as well, quick, quick in and out of his breaks, good stop-start ability. Um, so I think he's got a lot of potential there. Um, and the thing with him too, being the six one one eighty five, is the other two big name guys on that roster right now are Puka Nakua and I'm uh, going to butcher this last name too, Rome Adunaze. They're both four-star guys in their classes, but they both look like outside guys. Yeah. So I think there's definitely room for McMillan in the slot. And my initial comp to him uh, was Jerry Judy. So, you know, maybe, maybe not, uh, maybe not necessarily accurate right now. Cause Judy is a little bit better with the ball in his hands, but overall, like that's, that was the impression that I got for him. So I'd like to see him in the slot there, but definitely a guy that I'm keeping an eye on here for next year. Yeah. I had him marked down as, as basically discount Rakeem Jarrett. Like everyone really, really liked Rakeem Jarrett. And I thought they were very similar, um, stylistically and pretty similarly sized. Uh, I mean, uh, Jarrett is a little bit thicker. He's like six foot two oh eight, and McMillan's like six one one eighty five. Um, but like in high school, I didn't I didn't think Jarrett was like noticeably, uh, you know, that much of a bigger kid. Um, so that was kind of I thought like if I couldn't get Jarrett anywhere, which I didn't end up getting Raheem Jarrett anywhere. He just went he went really early, yeah. um, and I didn't get McMillan anywhere either. I tried, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really work out anywhere, but. but that was the plan. So, um, you know, the best laid plans, whatever they say about that. Um, best laid plans go awry. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'd buy him everywhere. I can't imagine their quarterback situation will be any more vanilla than it was this past <laughs> season. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. What's that kid's name? Morris. Uh, he, yeah. just ex- he just inspires absolutely zero confidence. Um, yeah. you, you know, nice, nice game manager. But I mean, I think in college, like, if you have a game manager, a quarterback, the rest of your team better be damn good or else your team is going nowhere. It's not like the NFL yeah. where you can, you know, uh, you win with defense and some of that other stuff. Um, I, I just don't think it's really possible in college. Yeah. Um, which for that reason, I would assume that Hubert comes in and takes that job um, because, A, they don't really have anybody else with Garbers transferring, and, B, yeah, Morris just is not exciting at all. And they have a lot of weapons there on that roster. Um, so... I I like McMillan a lot. I'd buy him, um, but I'm uh, you're obviously hoping that it's not Morris playing quarterback again because right. if it is, then he's not going to do anything. Right. Well, I mean, hey, Morris doesn't exactly have the strongest arm, so I don't know. Maybe McMillan lives in the slot and and can, you know, Cade Otten was the big receiver there for them this year. Now, like, I mean, again, it's only five games, but you know, Cade Otten ran a lot of like the over the middle type of stuff. So, and and we're not sure if he's going to stay or go at this point. I. If he's smart, he probably sticks around actually because this is a pretty loaded tight end class, and the class after that's not looking as great. 
so he should stick around. Um, but if he does leave, you know, McMillan can fill that over the middle type role for Noodle on Morris. Yeah, I really hope that Auden doesn't stay on a total, you know, other note. Um, I just love him. I, I want to see him in the NFL as quick as possible. Yeah. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, I, yeah, I hope he leaves. Uh, although, obviously, another year wouldn't be the worst thing uh, for the kid. But. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I hope he goes, too, because mostly because, like, you can get him at a discount with the way the tight ends are shaping up this year. Um, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on. If, if he does come out, you can probably snag him in, like, the late third with how deep this class is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so my guy is Gary Bryant, keeping it in the Pac-12 here. Talked a lot about the Pac-12. I think there's a lot of value to be found in the Pac-12 with that shortened season. Um, I think that's going to be something that we that we bring up a lot on this show over the next couple months. Um, but I, I really like Gary Bryant Jr. And he was a guy that it was not disappointing for me at all that he didn't really put up a ton of numbers this year because I didn't expect him to play at all. Um, I mean, USC has just a ridiculous amount of wide receiver depth. They probably have um, the, the best wide receiver room in the country. Uh, outside of maybe yeah. Alabama, probably has like the better Ohio top State. end. Ah, uh, you're right. I got. <laughs> I got to stop making up stuff on this. No, no, no. You're you're good. I think they're they're definitely number three. Yeah. Bama yeah. and Ohio State. I mean, you're, they're just in another tier than everybody else. Yeah, of the fair. normal schools. Normal schools. Yeah, everybody else is hoping they can get a piece of that. Um, yeah, I mean, he had seven catches, like fifty yards. Um, he was in on some special team stuff. Um, I think that he is the perfect replacement for Amon St. Rob Brown in the slot. They don't really have another guy on the roster that can do that job. Um, so I think just stylistically and, and everything, you know, systematically, it makes sense for him to just slot right in there. Um, and he's just like that profile that I love where he's kind of that lanky lean, um, you just, uh, he's like five, he's listed at five eleven. I'm not sure if he's actually five eleven or not. Um, but he's in that ballpark. Um, he's very quick. He's pretty fast, explosive. Um, and Helton went out of his way to talk him up at every opportunity. Um, I read a bunch of articles just from press conferences and stuff this year that Helton did where he'd, you know, they'd ask him about something else and he'd be like, Oh, well, yeah, Gary, you know, Gary Bryant's been, been great in practice or he's been doing this. He's been doing that. Uh, which you, I really, really like to see. And I think that's usually a telltale sign that a kid is um, going to do some good things at a school. And I think if we had maybe seen a full season out of USC, we would have seen him, you know, break a couple punts or something and really get his name on the map. So I think that he starts next year. I think that he puts up some really nice numbers with Keaton Slovis there. Um, and I think he is a obvious, um, you know, rocket ship stock up guy for that 2023 uh, class moving forward. Yeah, and I actually, you know, yet another instance of us agreeing. Uh, this is definitely a very different show than your other one, like we were saying. But oh, either yeah, we're um, both either we're both really smart, or we're giving really bad advice. So it's gonna it's gonna be one or the other here. Well, I mean, let's uh, you know let, let's promote ourselves a little bit here and just say we're both really smart, and not that it's the latter of the two. But um, no, I, I I was a big. Uh, I liked Gary Bryant Jr. Um, coming out as well. I mean, he was the number seven overall receiver. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people felt the same way. Um, you know, I was very impressed again with his with his route running ability, actually, you know, quick release off the line. Uh, you know, again, his, his very good lateral agility, quick feet. Um, so he's good in and out of his breaks as well. Um, my only concern with him is, again, that 170 weight. You know, he has to add more weight. And if he doesn't, he's not the elite level athlete that you want from a guy that is that small. You know, he's not like a hill and a waddle type athlete. He is a little bit more Hollywood Brown-esque athlete. So I'm a little bit concerned with that weight at his current athleticism. Now, again, he's a great athlete, but like I said, he's not that elite level athlete um, that you would want to see at a guy who's that small. I, I had read that he put like 12 pounds on his senior year of high school. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's one of those guys that's still filling out a little bit. Um, I think for me to be happy about where he had to get to like 180 to 185 for me to be happy about it. Yeah. Um, I think at that point, like I'm not a big BMI guy. I think that whole discussion is just like, is like total just crap science that people yeah. 
uh, that people try to find yeah. some sort of metric that to, to explain stuff that doesn't right. work. Well, BMI is a crap metric in general. I mean, you know, half of these NFL guys are would be overweight based on the BMI scale and everything like that. So I don't put a lot of stock in BMI either. Yeah, but but I, yeah, I mean that that would start getting them into that range where I think it's like an acceptable height to yeah. weight um, ratio. Um, and I see I, I I view his game almost as like um uh, like a Chris Olave almost where he's you know he's bursty he's smooth. Um, I don't expect him to necessarily be a huge deep threat. Um, I think he'll win on like short and intermediate stuff. I think is going to be yeah. his game. Um, although he I mean he does have the I think he does have the long speed to you know occasionally. Uh, do something deeper yeah but. yeah my, my note for him with the long speed is you know he's not gonna get caught from behind very often but he's also probably not gonna pull away either so he's just like very solid long speed yeah um, but I, I think the, one of the 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 biggest things that you pointed out was there's just a very clear role for him next year he's just gonna step right into that slot role because they have drake and uh, drake london and brew mccoy on the outside or the big body guys um but, you know and then the guys that they they're bringing in this year um you know they flipped um Karan, i guess is how you pronounce his first name but where hudson you know the number 22 wide receiver they flipped him from oregon and they're the favorite for quadarius davis number 17 wide receiver but neither of those guys are really like slot type guys either so you know i, I don't see another guy on that roster that's going to be the slot so I, I would be very surprised if he's not starting in three wide sets next year yeah yeah, that that offense is going to look a lot different. I think. Um, I mean, Slovis is going to be the holdover, but yeah, uh, no Vons and no Amon Ra, who are kind of the the big safety blankets for Slovis. Uh, yep. So it'll be a, it'll be a big test for Slovis, and it'll be interesting to see who steps up and who can become an alpha, because uh, a lot of unproven uh, guys overall. Although I think London toward the end of this year kind of showed that maybe he's that going to be that guy, um, but, but right. obviously to to be determined, I would say. Right. Well, and like we we mentioned when we were running through like the um, the the champion the conference championship show, uh, Drake London was a guy that I had my eye on there, and he's definitely a guy I have my eye on moving forward. But there's absolutely no reason why this offense can't support three, two to three solid receivers on like C two C side. But also, I think those three that we mentioned, Drake London, Brew McCoy, and Gary Bryant Jr., all have solid pro prospects as well. So even if you're not necessarily buying them for the production you think they're going to get next year on the C2C side, you still can get them on the NFL side for the future. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to skip tight end for tonight um, because the two <laughs> obvious guys that we would have talked about, like, I mean, we had Gilbert and we had Mayer last year, and they both broke out in, in pretty big ways. So it's not really worth talking about either of those guys. And after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a couple guys will come out of the woodwork, but it, you know, trying to make a guess at that point will make us look dumber than sometimes we already do. So, <laughs> so we're not going to do that. Um, so that's going to be our show for tonight. Um, if you enjoy the show, we would appreciate if you guys would rate or subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform, um, especially on, I, I mean, it looks like the majority of our downloads are over on um, Apple Podcasts, whatever that platform is called nowadays. Um, so if you could do that, you can reach out to either of us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at Campus to Canton. Uh, we have an email address set up. It's Campus to Canton at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. Um, and tell us if we if you have a guy that we didn't talk about tonight that you want us to talk about. Um, like I said, this is going to be a segment that we'll probably do at least once more, if not you know two or three times this offseason. Um, and we're going to be doing something similar, actually, on the NFL show this week. Um, rookies that came in and didn't quite uh, do what we thought they would this year. So um, so if you have a guy maybe that you want us to talk about on Thursday, let us know that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Um, tweet at me. DMs are open. Um, you know, I, I'm very responsive of that, you know, like we talked about last week, um, like, like Austin said last week, I'm a little desperate for, for interaction. So reach out. You know, he's a lonely, he's a lonely guy. No one wants to talk to him in real life. So no, no, Twitter is, Twitter's the escape. That was, uh, that's why I uh, worked in a call center for, for two years. Yeah. People had to talk to me and they couldn't see you either. So that's, well, yeah, that's, that's a huge plus too. That's a huge plus too. You're welcome guys, by the way, for sparing you my picture on, uh, on my profile picture on Twitter. Oh, it, ha it has to pop up sooner or later. Well, I mean, if you dig around, you could find it, but, uh, you could find, you could find my actual, 
my actual Twitter account from before I was uh, before I was a big time analyst here. But you know, you, you don't need to do that. All right. Well, that's the show for tonight, guys. Um, happy New Year. We'll see you guys all in a few days. Happy New Year, everybody. Have a good one.